comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. to the latest episode of the DC TV podcast, episode number nine, and another great week of DC TV this week. Again, we have all four shows uh, this week. Uh, Constantine, uh, the new episode called Our Feast of Friends, uh, Gotham with a new episode called Harvey Dent, uh, Arrow with an episode titled Draw Back Your Bow, and uh, The Flash with an episode titled The Flash is Born. And joining me to dissect, di- uh, delve into, and dilute dynamic duos and darings uh, daring do are my friends uh, Daryl Taylor from the Taylor Network of Podcasts. I like women with red hair. <laughs> Except when they're trying to shoot you in the chest with an arrow or, or <laughs> handcuff you to um, railroad tracks. Or... That's fine. That's fine. It's better than ex-girlfriends you've had. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying. What's a few scars? <laughs> also it's with okay. us tonight is uh, Rich Sheldon, the chub toad himself. Hi, Rich. Felicity with the blue dress, blue dress, blue dress on. She did look good in that dress, didn't she? She looked fantastic. And you got to give it up for Brandon Routh, too. He looked really good. Oh, he was hot. She got got all flustered to get work out. I mean, come on. Forget Felicity. I'm a straight man. I'm a straight married man, but damn, you know. I almost dropped my plate. I had a huge problem with that part of the episode, but we'll get to that when we get to Guts Arrow. And finally, joining us for the for the half hour wasted podcast on the HHWLOD Podcast Network, one of the true godfathers of podcasting, our, our friend and, and fellow contributor, Mister Frank Rincon. Frank, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Frank, Frank, you smell of lilacs. Why is that? Oh well. <laughs> we'll find. I'll tell you guys later why I smell of lilacs. Ooh. That's the oh, Glade spray. He won't leave the restroom with his new Nexus 6. <laughs> I got a new phone today. I'm so excited. The Nexus 6. It, it is, is crazy. Awesome. I, I, I was just before we got on the air that I just got my first smartphone. It's a Windows, uh, what is it, Windows 8.1 uh, Nokia Lumia. And it's, it's tremendous. The last phone I had was like the old grandma, grandpa flip phone. So <laughs> this is like, you know, stepping onto the bridge of the Enterprise after driving around in the, uh, you know, in the Firefly or something. So, And on next week's episode of DC TV Podcast, Jim goes from VCR to DVD player. Never! <laughs> <laughs> no, I have both. They peacefully coexist uh, on my shelf right in front of me, actually, as we speak. So. Oh, fancy. Anyway, we're not here to talk about all that good stuff about my uh, my forehead digital uh, uh, high-def VCR. Oh, no. Shock jock. We're here to talk about DCTV. Let's start out with Constantine's uh, episode four of the season, A Feast of Friends. 
Uh, Constantine's friend Gary Lester comes into town with a curse in a bottle that gets uh, shattered in a very cool opening scene, uh, letting loose this plague of, of insects that cause a hunger demon uh, to uh, possess the person that they are inside. And the rest of the episode is Constantine trying to get enough of his collective crap together to get the demon back in the bottle. And finally, uh, you know, his friend Gary kind of uh, has to make the ultimate sacrifice to do so. Um, this story is from and lifted directly from the comic. Uh, pretty much, it was a two. I think it was a two-parter in the comic. I think it was Hellblazer one and two actually, uh, when he launched it in his own series. The whole new all this stuff about Newcastle and Gary and everything else straight from the comic. I, this is the most Constantine episode. I you know Constantine Constantine episode uh, mm-hmm. I've seen so far. I mean, it really was close to the stuff in the book. Um, dealing with the you know the idea of the junkie having the hunger demon inside of himself, um, the whole opening scene with him trying to go through customs with that bottle and uh, and, and laying the thing loose, and the scenes with the people uh, running through the the one guy running through the cafeteria like grabbing ice cream from the little girl, <laughs> and, or the woman you know eating the raw meat you know running through the the um, the supermarket just devouring everything. It's just I don't know. I thought it was a really good episode. I enjoyed it. What did you guys think? Yeah, I I, I have to say for those people, <coughs> Frank, <coughs> that have not <laughs> given this series a chance, or they've watched the first couple of episodes and they're like, it's too glossy, it's too, it's not gritty enough, it's it's too neat. You've missed out if you stopped watching because this episode, and I'm not, a, I haven't read the books, and this episode was so. It just was like a paradigm shift in tone and, and just the whole process of the episode and the whole storytelling. I, I, to me, this should have been the pilot. They should have just started here. I thought that this was just a fantastic episode, with the exception of the fact that the little bug swarms reminded me of the Green Mile, which made me think of Michael Clark Duncan and then made me sad because he's no longer with us. But besides that, it was great. <laughs> Now, uh, I, now, now, Chubb, I, I got to tell you, the, the reason why I don't watch it is because I thought it was too gritty. Those first couple episodes were just like, man, this is creeping me out. So you're saying it's getting even more gritty? That's the point. Would, wow. would you be more comfortable if we played out <laughs> the scenes with Muppets for you, Frank? And- <laughs> I might be more comfortable, yes. I mean, that might that's be- horrible. Don't do that. That's scary. <laughs> There's a really good scene with uh, with Gary and, uh, and and Zed, where he's talking. You know, he's tr- telling her about what happened in Newcastle and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just flat out tells her, you know, people that are around John Constantine die. That's the Constantine. I, uh, and that is exactly what Daryl was talking about in the last episode. And what yes. I've been on about is that that's the crux of the character. He's like, it, 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 you know, people around. He's not Mister Goody Guy. Let's. Let's go save the world. He's, you know, getting by by the skin of his teeth, trying to keep his friends, you know, alive, trying to save the daughter of his friends who has been damned to hell because of the Newcastle thing, which is huge in his continuity, and I'm so glad they included it in the show, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this is the mo- the truest of the comic book and, and, for me, the best episode so far. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, even, like, if people look up Zed, <laughs> they will not be happy with the, her history because of him. Because of what happens when you work with him, it, you get double crossed. That that is that is Constantine. He, he will always save himself. That is the way he is. So that so for for Constantine, I mean, is it is it the personality trait that you know I'm number you know got to look out for me or I mean, does he just not have a heart? Is he is he a self? It's there. 
it's there, but the thing is, it, it like he doesn't go into it um, looking to save the world. But things happen, and he has to deal with them, and he will. I mean, if you know, if it's something horrific happening, he will deal with it. But the way that it's dealt with, it's not you know something like a Superman or a Captain America where they will sacrifice themselves to to save all innocence. He's a, he's not a he's not an altruistic hero. No, he's or one of an the... anti-hero. He's he's right. he's not Mal Reynolds, he's Snake Plissken. You know what I mean? He's out for his own his own skin for the most part. And you know, they were talking about how uh you know, the, you know Gary Lester's like, "Oh, with the John Constantine of Black Magic, how could we not, you know?" He had that kind of like that whole rock star thing going when he was younger. And you know, he's like I said in, in a previous episode, he's paying for the sins of his youth. You yeah. know, in a lot of ways, yeah. and and so is Gary. I mean, he's you know Gary's racked with addiction and like wandering around, mm-hmm. you know, in a haze in Sudan. I mean, you know what happened, you know, there in, in Newcastle was some really heavy, heavy stuff, and they're you know they're all dealing with it, and like, in, in you know in, in different ways. Um, I really like the acid trip this episode too. By the way, that was great. That was pretty awesome with oh. Nomo who. I don't know if uh, anybody here is a friend of the Venture Brothers, but he's the voice of Jefferson Twilight <laughs> from the That's Order of the Triad, you know? Okay. <laughs> uh, Blackie the Blackula Hunter. He's like, well, you know, African-American hunter? No, no, Blackula Hunter. I go hunt him in, in, uh, in the UK as well. But yeah, he was Nomo, and uh, that, that whole sequence I thought was pretty good. And especially like Constantine, just like, yeah, you know, I've done psychedelics in a few years. <laughs> they kind of make me puke. It's like kind of nonchalant about it, but I thought it was a cool sequence. Well, even the stuff with uh, when you when you see the angel Manny come back and he's um, he's talking to uh, Constantine about you know Zed and what what's going to happen with her. Is she going to stick with you? And you know what happens with, with people like that work with you and. Constantine's whole thing is he doesn't want her to be there, but if he has to use her, he will. I mean, that's just the way it is. He's not going to. Um, he 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 goes in with the best intentions. I mean, he. I'm pretty sure he has every intention of wanting her to get free of this once they finish their task. But if she does happen to die, he he'll get over it. Even the angel is down there saying, "Hey, dude, come on." You're gonna mess these people up, you know. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's basically it's really what he said. He's definitely what he said. He had that smirk on his face, like, "Come on, come on, son. You know you're gonna get her killed." I love uh, the whole hunger demon thing. I thought the hunger demon was awesome. And Frank, if you do watch this episode, don't eat while you're watching the episode. Oh, I did because <laughs> <laughs> it's eating the rotted it. meat off the floor and all that. I mean, it's like watching Ooh, Kirstie Alley go into a buffet, that. you know, it's just <laughs> terrible. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> Who hasn't done a little more raw meat off the floor? Sometimes you can't wait for a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they need to go to Terminus then. Hey, you gotta get if you gotta eat, you gotta eat. They did close Terminus down. I don't know if you're uh, keeping up on that. Oh, no, man, it's not no. quite. It's not still open. So. You gotta find another barbecue place in the apocalypse. Well, there's a food truck that's been driving around. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about the screams you hear from the inside. Is it called Holy Chow? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> there's always a bat near nearby. I don't know why you always do that. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But I, I really enjoyed the effects in this episode too. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that um, 
you know, with a TV budget, they're able to pull off some of the effects that they do and not have them look uh, cheesy like they could. A lot of roaches. A lot of roaches. Yes, a lot of bugs. I was kind of surprised with the whole hunger demon and the cutting of the flesh and just the disgustingness of the whole eating and everything else that that their standards and practices department let that through because that was really pushing an envelope for NBC, you know? You can have that. You just can't. Now, if if Zed had gotten naked or something and they were having sex, then that would have probably been... Or if he had had a cigarette on camera. Right. That's something like that. (laughs) That would have been some uproar. (laughs) Let's make a compromise and we won't show cigarettes on TV and let's have Zed naked. That sounds like a fair trade-off. First of all, dirty man, you can't show that on TV. That's that's horrible. Sex is not allowed on TV until after ten. There was some really, um, there was some kind of really like dark humor in this episode too, though. Well, it's yeah, it was good. Like when Constantine is is interviewing the mom and and, and the boy in the mm-hmm. grocery, you know, and he's like, everything everything that was of use he got from the boy, and the mom just kind of double talked around it. I don't know. It was, it was kind of a cool scene. That's just the tone of the character. I think it really fit. You yeah. Know, how, when you read Constantine, I mean, things happen, horrific things happen, but Constantine's tone is always, you know, the thing about, I think the thing that I remember most about reading Hellblazer is when Constantine stops making jokes, that's when it's really, really bad. Yeah. So that's the, that's the cue to run. <laughs> um, I, I love the scene, though, where the, the woman that was infe- infected with the demon, like, is eating all the stuff and... And, and the woman pulls her son away, and just that look on her face, like crazy white lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there's like you know little little bits of humor here and there in it, but it, I mean it is pretty dark and gritty, Frank. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's and that that's the only you know for me you know I have I don't like going I, horror is not my favorite genre. That's usually so I think that's kind of why I've taken a step away from from Constantine. I don't I don't doubt it's. It's good, but it's just, you know, scary stuff scares me. But on the flip side of that, I do watch Grimm. But Grimm is so mild. It's such a mild type of scary that, uh, you know, anybody can watch it. Right. I, w- I would have said that, that Constantine wasn't, wasn't much different from Grimm in its scariness until this episode. Until this episode definitely right. notched it up. So. Exactly. Exactly, which I hope that continues for the rest of the of the season. I agree because they kind of put it out there how just how how dangerous uh, being around Constantine is. I mean, it, you didn't really get that as much in the previous episodes. Like they they kind of wanted to show more of a heroic version of Constantine, but this episode kind of showed you that uh, he's full of crap for the most part. Like he's not that <laughs> heroic. He's not as heroic as you think he is. And him explained to Zed, she was the eyes for this episode. I think she she played the. I know people originally wanted the other character that they phased out. Um, you know, they were talking about she would be the one that would be the eyes for the for the audience and whatever. But Zed is not still not on that level of what Constantine is. So we see that we see just how dark is that road he has traveled. So we, he looks at Zed and he's like, even though she can see all these things, he looks at her like, oh, baby, you've never you have not seen just how, you know, just just the world that's underneath all this. You haven't seen it all. You've just seen just a glimpse of it. 
I think Zed is starting to get a sense of what Constantine is like, though, what he is capable mm-hmm. of. Like, when they bring um, uh, Gary back, you know, yeah. and, uh, to the, the mill house, and he's infected with the demon or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, he's like, you know, it was his choice. He chose to do this, and she looked at him and goes, no, you manipulated him into doing this. Exactly. And so she's starting to really see Constantine's true nature, you know. Yeah, because before she looked at him a little bit, like, altruistic, like, you know, had... She kind of had that eye for him because he was saving right. people, but uh, you're the man now, in my drawings, yeah. right? But now it's kind of like the veil is off, which I love because in Constantine, every time a character meets him, they at first you think he's the greatest, but then as the story progresses, that's when you realize just who Con- when they realize just who he is, they always have that same reaction of horror, <laughs> like what? Like you're just a bad man, and that's. You know, I kind of love to see Zed, you know, lash out at him like that. Yeah, I I wanted to comment on what you said earlier, Daryl, about how people wanted that character for to be the eyes of the audience and whatnot. Usually we have that in these types of shows. Right. I don't think at least right now, I don't think we need that because to me, even though it's still watching him, you know, in third person in a way, I feel like I'm actually seeing what's going on through Constantine's eyes you know I'm getting a Mm -hmm. sense of of where he's coming from I I don't need that informative character at least not right now Um, because I know very little about this character and I'm starting to learn a lot just what is this four episodes in a lot about him you know just by watching through hit through from his point of view so I don't I don't know that we need that character right now that that's the audience you know, mm-hmm. connection. I'll be with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you get it from each of the characters that come into the story. Um, because Gary, you get a lot from Gary. Uh, well, and I think the TV viewing audience, at least those of us that watch a lot of these genre shows, we're getting too smart to watch to to have those types of characters anyway. I mean, if you look at Agents of Shield, I couldn't stand Sky because she was that character. She was the eyes mm-hmm. for the audience. As soon as they moved her away from that and made her more interesting, you know, I didn't hate the character much anymore. And it it kind of goes that way in a lot of shows now. It's like oh, I don't yeah. want that character. I want to discover the things on my own. I don't need I don't need a showrunner throwing a character in to inform me of everything. Let me figure it out. And yeah, I think yeah. I think television writers. I mean, I think we're evolving to that. You're not getting that. You're not getting that that person to walk you through them. Um, you know, it shows like like um, oh, it escapes you right now. But but you're seeing that more. You're just not. You're not having that person holding your hand and asking the questions that you would ask. They're just going to say things, and you have to figure it out. I mean, it's like Flash when we get to that. I mean, Flash, we're seeing that. I mean, he starts off talking to the audience every episode, you know. I mean, so we're seeing, you know, so I I, I like that. Give me the main character as my eyes and ears to figure out what's going on. I don't need some ancillary person that just becomes annoying because they're stating the obvious constantly. Well, I I think in, in the case of Flash, since it's happening to him, he's us. He's asking the questions that we're asking. Because it's all right. new to him, but, but yeah, let's he's wait enjoying it all. Yeah. 
he kind of enjoys all of the uh, the action that's going on. But uh, but I really I, I I really think this set the tone. I think this really was the episode that really kind of set this apart from from other shows like Supernatural and and Grimm and stuff like that. I think this this did it. Like especially Gary to have somebody like Gary on there, which you don't see often. You know this junkie guy. Uh, usually the junkie guy, and that's what was different about the comic, though. Usually the junkie guy uh, saves the day, but in a different way. Like he overcomes his addiction and saves the day. No, it's not like that. <laughs> Carrie <laughs> went back. Like if he had let him, Hellboy. You know Constantine kind of knew if he had let him, he'd been in. He'd still be getting beat up by those drug dealers he tried to get drugs from. When he swore he was going to do the, you know, the heroic thing, like he he knew, yeah. he, like he didn't exactly do the right. Like if he'd been left to his own devices, he he would have just got high and just let it happen. The the writers and the powers that be, showrunners and whatnot for this show, need to use that episode as their bar and continue to go over it because that that was a great. Well, I hope they continue with kind of like that. I hope you get more people that come into his life and then that. That turn when Lester, when when Gary looks at him and goes, "You always knew this was going to be this was going to happen, didn't you? You knew this." And Constantine just gave that look. He didn't answer him. He just gave that look, and he, and he had that little bit of a smirk. That's the same look he gives uh, Zed when she accuses him of manipulating Gary into taking the demon into himself. Yes, I loved it. Like that that was perfect. That was but He didn't answer answer her. He just looked at her. He just gave her a hard look. Right. You didn't like I I'm I'm so glad that they didn't feel the need to 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 say, "Yes, I did manipulate him and this is how I did it." Like I'm glad they didn't do that. They just let it. We knew from that look that was all we needed. We didn't need anything else. Awesome. Well, what did you guys think? so uh thumbs up on this episode of Constantine? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we had some decent uh, comments in our Facebook group. Uh, if you'd like to join our Facebook group, we would love to have you. Uh, the name of the group, oddly enough, is the DC TV Podcast. Uh, it's available on the Facebooks, which you probably have heard of by now. It's very popular with the young people. Uh, comic artist and Bomb Vivana here around Pittsburgh, uh, Mikey Wood, wrote in, uh, Constantine just keeps getting better and better. The most recent episode of Feast of Friends is pretty much an adaptation of the first two issues of the comic. Hey, I thought I just said that. Uh, really great, creepy stuff. Uh, I really hope it survives the less than stellar ratings. He goes on to say, I, ha- I have to go through and look at all the artifacts in the House of Mystery. I'm pretty sure one of them is the Moonblade, which plays an important role in recent issues of the Constantine comic. Uh, also, Malcolm Taylor, really enjoyed that episode too. Pretty darn creepy. Chris Ivey, uh, I re- the episode was really good. And I think a lo- what a lot of people were wanting from this show uh, Carlos Carmona was wondering if you think they'll ever do something with the helmet of fate. I wouldn't put it out of the, you know, the realm of possibility. I'm sure they'd do something with it. Yeah, I would love too. the helmet of fate. That's that's one of my uh, Doctor Fate's one of my favorite characters just from his look. I don't know a lot of his stories, but I just like the way he looks. I like the way they had him on uh, Young Justice. That was pretty cool. Oh, it was. Yeah, that was a good take on the character. So Constantine, uh, as as mentioned, not doing so well in the ratings, but doing well, you know, with uh, fan buzz and critics. So uh, let's move on to Gotham uh, episode nine already. Harvey Dent. Uh, in this episode, uh, Gordon 
is uh, teaming up with Montoya and uh, and Atticus uh, with uh, um, Harvey Dent, an uh, ambitious young district attorney, who flips mm-hmm. a coin and kind of freaks out at one point. And I would like to get to that when I talk about the issues I have <laughs> in this episode. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, meanwhile, Fish Mooney is using the Russians to break a bomb maker out of prison. Uh, to uh, continue her plot to try to bring down Falcone. And Selena Kyle, uh, as the only material witness in the Wayne murder, is um, sent to Wayne Manor to live with Alfred and Bruce. This episode made me absolutely love that character, Kat, as far as the actress playing her. I think that she just played her smugness and... And yet her caring side with Bruce and everything. I mean, just everything that you would want in a young Catwoman character that's coming up, you know, to become what she becomes, I think is there in that episode. And and she is so perfect the way she pulls it off. Um, before this episode, it was, meh, she's okay. She, she fits it. But this episode, I really, really liked her interactions with Bruce. Do you think? Uh, do you think she believed what she said about her mom being a secret agent? I don't think so, because uh. just kind of the way she, the way she was, you know, the smug, the the look in her eye, and the way she kept shifting her weight, the way she was standing, and she just looked kind of anxious when she uh-huh. was saying it. I it gives me the impression that she doesn't believe it. Um, a, as a matter of fact, that it's possible it's a story that she made up herself and wasn't told to her okay yeah i wasn't quite sure how to how to take that but now that you mention her body language that that makes more sense i you know i i just didn't quite because the story just sounded so fantastic and she seems like a really smart kid and i just kept wondering do you i wonder if she believes that about her mom i think you've cleared it up for me a bit yeah that's kind of her thing is to believe her lies like to kind of she has to sell lies every time she's in the street you know, when she does her hustle. So, um, I just think that that was just them showing us more of that. Like it it gets to the point now where, you know, she tells so many lies to survive that, um, it just seemed, I I guess it kind of felt, I think it kind of, it felt surreal to her to be around Bruce Wayne because he's not a liar. He's so straightforward. He's so open. Yeah, like he's so honest and raw. Well, and you like can you, tell she admires him for that. She does, and I think she kind of to see so much pain in his eyes because she he, he doesn't hide that pain either, and to see and for her to see that pain that she hides in herself, you know, from from her life, I, right. I just think that that affected her. And to be surrounded by to be surrounded by all that wealth and still be under that much pain, I think, you know, said something to her as well. Yeah, because she kind of you kind of look at them like, oh, you're the you know you're the richest family in, you know, in Gotham, so you're not really human. Kind of don't see them, you know, the rich and famous. You kind of just don't see them as being human, or you don't have anything in common with them. And for her to sit across that table. Wealth or not, they're both kids of tragedy. Exactly. The juxtaposition of the two of them just, I mean, they're they're almost identical. I mean, they both lost per, per, their parents at a young age. You know, we don't know exactly with hers. It, it sounds like she just took off. But either way, left to their own device and, and, and 
prior to her spending time at Wayne Manor, it's like you were saying, you know, he's of the 1%, she's of the 99, and she's at the lower half of that 99 on the streets. You know, so what? He lost his parents, you know, he's got all the money in the world. He doesn't have, he didn't have to lose his parents and then, you know, be a cat burglar on the street. It can't be so bad. Right. It can't be so bad. And, um, and now that time that they spent together, like I said, you know, she sympathizes with him. She admires him for, for the fact that no matter what has happened to him and the pain is visible, but he is actually trying to find the silver lining on everything and trying to find ways to turn all of his tragedy into positives for the city and the, the underprivileged of the city, which includes her. So, I mean, this is definitely the origin point for the Batman-Catwoman relationship in the future. Well, I could see, like, I, I, well, for those, because I know most people probably didn't read the comics that are watching the show and listen to the show now. I could see, like, the the old uh, Batman uh, comics, the older stuff, before they kind of updated it over the years. I could see... um, there's a version that Bat- of, of the continuity where Batman married Selina and they had a child. And Earth 2, right? The original Earth 2. I could see, like, I'm watching them, and then just in my mind, I'm just remembering some of the, reading some of the old comics from there and the banter that they have. And I could so see this being that same history. You know, like they, they, and, and if only, the only thing is that you add a little bit of layer to it is that they grew up together as opposed to, you know, meeting at, when they were older. And that could kind of be the, the connection that they have with each other. I could so see it. Like, I could see a comic of them, like, if they ever did a comic or something of it, you know, you based on when Batman, you know, he becomes Batman finally in this continuity. I could so see them going out and fighting. So we should call this what Earth G for Gotham. So it's, 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 it's on timeline. It's on. I kind of look at it the way I look at the Walking Dead TV show and the Walking Dead comic, like being different universes. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I would like. I'd like to see not now, not in the first season, but in a season or two down the road, somebody that is a big player in today's in in the present day Gotham Batman, you know, mythos get killed off, you know, like, you know, like, um, um, Dale getting killed off so early in the walking dead TV show. Sorry, Jerry. Um, but (laughs) you know, I hated that. I hated that at the time, but we have gotten so much out of his earlier death in the TV show than in the comic that, you know, and I would like to see that I'd like to see, you know, maybe penguin gets killed off at the end of season two or beginning of season three or something like that. Or, you know, somebody, I don't know. I don't know. I'd want him to be killed off, but you know what I'm saying? A major character so that we can definitely navigate this show on a different mindset. I mean, we make, I make jokes about it, but you kind of, the, the dynamic between Montoya and, and Barbara, we'll get well, to yeah. that. Yeah. Already I was going to save that for you to make your own commentary about it at the end. <laughs> well, not even to go to what happened, but I'm just saying, just for them to be, just to have it already that they've already had a relationship already before Gordon even came to the picture. I mean, that kind of already is showing how they're just this continuity is just totally. It, I mean, Selena Cal being present at the murder of the Waynes, right there. 
is a big right. continuity change. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah. This is definitely its own continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, here, here's well, if I could talk real quick about the Harvey Dent character, I, I first, first of all, I don't think it fits the timeline to have him already being a district attorney. With, with Bruce being the age he is. They were always contemporaries in the comics. In the animated series, they were contemporaries. Mm-hmm. They are about the same age. One of the reasons Bruce mm-hmm. you know, feels so bad and tries to constantly help Harvey is because he sees himself in Harvey. You know, And I feel like you lose a lot by putting you know, making Harvey this much older than Bruce and bringing him into the game this, this soon. Having said that, I thought the, the, the portrayal was a bit much. But the whole thing with the coin... It's like, yes, we get it. It's Harvey Dent. Okay, we all saw the Dark Knight. Okay, we get it. And then later when he flips out on that guy, it just it just seemed like Yeah. It just seemed like a bit much. You know, yeah. a little too like little... The, the phrase trying too hard came to mind with him. Um the rest of the episode I thought was cool though. The whole bit with uh, Penguin and the, the bait girl for Falcone, you know, him figuring out that she's yeah. working for fish. Um Which right? the whole bomber guy. Um, you know, the, like mm-hmm. the savant bomber guy, the opening of Arkham Asylum, which I mean, if, if that didn't like, you know, send it, I fanboy chill through your bone at the, you know, when they announced that at the end of it, right. you know, uh, well, that's that the most important thing. I think that came yeah. out of this is that they, this caused Jim Gordon and, and what Bullock and Jim did. And then add to that, uh, what happens down the line that caused them to make Arkham Asylum. To open that up, yeah. So in a sense, it's it's Jim Gordon's fault. <laughs> yeah, they kind of changed the course of that, as opposed, you know, putting these guys in regular prison, which is what they were doing all this time. I mean, Jim Jim changed that. Like that's a major. It's not something Batman did. Jim Gordon, you know, set that. He set the thing, the ball in motion for that to happen. I did struggle a little bit with the uh, with the, with the bombing storyline, the bombing character. I don't know why, just that part felt a little forced, and and the whole Harvey Dent part felt a little well, very forced. Um, the the effort for me, the stories were kind of a little a little all over the place. This particular episode, I still enjoyed it, um, but parts of it just I don't know. It didn't play that smooth. Definitely the the Kyle and um, and Bruce Wayne part that that was a home run. That that was the best part of the show for me at least. Especially the last scene I thought where uh-huh. they were just actually both being kids. Something neither one yeah. of them gets to do that, ever. You know that was that was really yeah. cool. Well, it moved a lot of plots. Like this is ambitious to do so many plots in one. In one episode, because usually you have an A plot and a B plot, and then yeah. you know, and then they either converge or not. At the end, this had like three different ones. This had, you know, you had the the Bruce and Selena relationship uh, kind of cementing a little bit. You had the um, the bombing thing going on with Eartha Kitt. Oh, I mean, <laughs> Fish Mooney <laughs> going after Falcone's uh, money. And then you have uh, Penguin figuring out who this girl is, and that's going to be something that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that down the line, that's going to something's going to come out of that. So you had that going on, and then you had the whole thing with Harvey Dent. It seemed like a lot for it. Seemed like a lot in one episode. It did. Well, it did. Uh, I I did like Penguin's threat to to the bait girl, just the way he he played out the scenario to her, and and uh, I mean he's. He, he's such a smart character. That's all I wanted to say. 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that I agree with you, Jim, on that they could have. I think I think it's too early for Harvey Dent as well. Not necessarily because of the age difference. I think that if you get smart writers, they can they can make that work. I just like Daryl said, there was too many plot lines in this episode, and everything about the Harvey Dent stuff kind of felt shoehorned in. I didn't mind the coin toss thing so much. It was kind of like a little nod, yeah, you know. And like you said, we get it, but I thought it was kind of cool. Um, my whole deal is when he does flip out, he there is a point where okay, we're seeing that 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 anger side of Harvey Dent. They're giving us a little flash of it. My problem was is as the dialogue went on, as he gave his soliloquy of anger, about halfway through it, it went from being just over the top enough to be show us that side of him to the point that Nicholas Diagnosto, or however you pronounce his name, uh, just overacted the mm-hmm. scene. He totally William Shatnered first season Star Trek it. You know, whoa, whoa, I mean just hey, 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 those, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't go there. Don't don't, don't hey no hey I, I hey no I, I hey I worship at the Church of Trek too, but I'm just telling you, you have to admit that uh there were scenes where he went he just was even greater than he already is. <laughs> <laughs> yes but I this do guy, I don't I don't know. It was like there was stress in, in this actor's voice that was at first it was the stress of the character overreacting and then it was just the stress of it seemed like he was struggling to deliver his lines how he wanted and it, i'm sure they took several takes and if that was the best take they may need to rethink how they direct this guy to to I his over, his anger I think that's a that's the problem with the director cuz you kind of know i'm pretty sure when you, when they went in to cast him they got different versions of him being angry and right. charismatic and stuff. So I'm I think that this came this was the fault of the director for this episode of how did he want him to play it? Because I think it would have been better is you you get Harvey Dent throughout the episode, you get to like him, and then at the end something happens where with a criminal right. and he he gives that dark eye to the criminal and the criminal sees the sees the 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 darkness in him he pushes back like the criminal kind I think it would have been better if the criminal that confronted him was the one that saw the darkness before we did and we need to start a petition a to get Daryl on the writing in the writer's room for this show because that would have been that would have been perfect. Yeah, that, I mean that would have, that would have made a lot of sense. I think Daryl was already in the writer's room for this show because we oh. get that last scene. Oh yeah, the very last scene oh. of the episode where uh, we find Barbara is in bed with Montoya as as Jim Gordon is calling her. Yeah, she needed to get some things. She needed to get herself together. She wasn't ready yet uh-huh. to to be there for uh, for poor Jim. And I saw that wine glass. I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just, just like every TV show benefits from having a little bit of felicity, they benefit from having a little bit of lesbian action. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I hate to be uh, the guy that kind of poo-poos that. I mean, but it's 
<laughs> it just felt like really tacked on to me. I don't know why. It just, just didn't. It didn't feel genuine. That that's all I'm saying. The girls are hot. Here's the part that bothered me. The reason she supposedly is breaking up with Jim is because he's in too much danger, and uh, you know because he's taking on the mob or whatever. Guess what? So is Montoya. Right. Montoya puts her in just as much danger as Gordon would. Well, remember the note. She didn't say it was because he was in too much danger. The note said she wasn't ready. She she realized that she wasn't ready to be who he needed her to be. He she wasn't ready yet, and and that that was her little. That was her little. I could come back. That I, you know, that little note. That was her little note of I got to do some things, but I'm coming back. So don't start dating somebody else. Right. She she right. wasn't ready for the hot dog cart yet. She went back to the taco truck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to try to be a therapist, but I think I think what made her go back to Montoya was sometimes you like you 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 can love somebody. You're in a relationship with somebody, but they know your put together self, your older self. But they don't remember. But they never. They didn't meet you when you were trying to get yourself together. They don't know the, you know, trouble drinking, getting in the, you know, like you doing things that you're not proud of. Montoya was there for that when they were in college. <laughs> when they were in college. Was, yeah, yeah. Experimental yeah I did. I did. You see what I did there? But you know, when you're like Montoya was holding her head when she's throwing up at the party and all that kind of stuff, and you know, doing all the crazy stuff. Probably all made the mistakes of, of sleeping with her ex at some point, or we know someone who did. So, I mean, that's, that's all I see it as. It's just you know, went to the, back to the comfort of her ex. Right, because your ex knows your mess already. She's fam- they're familiar with your ex. But you kind of try to be the you try to you try to be that. I think that Gordon and, and Barbara always had that issue. Like whenever they write them in comics, they always had that issue of Barbara. Jim didn't want Barbara to see him being weak, but Sarah Essen, who she he did wind up cheating with, was the fellow cop that could see him in those situations, and she understood that feeling, the stress of of being a cop. And Barbara doesn't, you know, like in the whole thing with Barbara, I think it's the same thing. She's trying to be tough for Jim, but she realizes that she felt she folded under pressure. The first time things got real, she folded. She lost it. And she didn't want and she's ashamed of herself for being that way because she went through all this mess of telling him, you know, I love you. I will be there for you. Be honest with me. And then the guy is honest as he can be with you. And, and you can't handle it. You're running around drunk. You got a gun in your hand. You're ready to shoot people because you're scared. Like, and that was the thing that kind of made her be ashamed. And she ran back to the the ex that's telling her, "Oh yeah, everything you do is right, baby. You're all right. You're fine." Those of us on here that know the 75 years of history of the Batman mythos and the and what's canon and what's not, I mean, would we expect a stable uh, Barbara scene? No. I mean, yeah. I mean, her being wishy-washy, her not being able to make up her mind, her waffling back and forth on what she wants, what she doesn't want, her emotional roller coaster. I mean, this is just the beginning. I mean, you know, let's think about another 10 years or so down the road uh, after they're married. Foundation for the audience, because even when they get married, if they do on this show, they get married. 
you already have the <laughs> underneath all that, we already see the cracks. So when it does mess up, we already know. Like the, the audience knows this is with what's coming from that. And this is why they don't work out eventually. See, and, and I'm hoping that sometime in this series, like in a couple of seasons or so, we do a massive time jump. Because, I mean, I'm wanting to see Barbara develop into what she's going to be, the Barbara Jr. And then, of course, I am so excited. I would love to see just a lot of stories, if not a spinoff of James, young James Gordon, that that character, because the way that the, he's been written in recent comic stories and stuff, especially the when Scott Snyder's handled him. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I love I love that psychotic character that he is. And you, you can tell Barbara Jr. got her sense of everything from from Jim and mm. James Jr. got his nutty wackiness from Barbara, from his, from his mother. So if anything, that's what I'm, I was looking forward to in a Gotham series. But we're so early in the timeline now. It's like, ah, that's way off. Well, I hope we get to see it, though. Yeah, if they even go that route, because we'd go back to Jim Jim was saying they could flip it and we don't even they don't even do it. <laughs> they could make it that they don't get married. That never happens in this world. But then we don't get Batgirl, and I want Batgirl. That doesn't mean we don't get Batgirl. That just means we don't get Barbara. Unless we're going to end up getting Stephanie Brown Batgirl. Now, yeah, I would be I mean, on board for that. And she does a... What, yeah, what did what did Stephanie... What was Stephanie Brown's other name after she, she was Robin and then she became... Spoiler. First, spoiler, that's it. Well, she was spoiler, spoiler first. Actually, yeah. she was spoiler in the beginning. In the very beginning, right. she was spoiler. Then she became... Came Robin and then Batgirl. For five and now, yeah, um, at which that's that was one of, that is one of my favorite Batgirl runs was that one right before the New Fifty Two when it was Stephanie Brown. I thought they were written very well, mm-hmm. and yeah, I just all of there's so many pieces of Batman and Gotham that I want in this show, and it's just like it's going to have to run for at least a dozen to 15 seasons for me to get what I want. So so Gotham this week, yay or nay? I kind of I kind of want to say meh, kind of a half, half, it was half, fine. Yay, half nay. There's something yeah. that I'm glad that I saw that happened um, besides that tripping thing. But I mean, <laughs> there were things like the penguin, the penguin catching the little spy. Um, I wanted to see that. I wanted to see Selena and, and, and Bruce form that bond. So I needed those things to happen. So I'm glad that happened. A couple other things, eh, give or take. See, for me, it's it's a definite yay. I mean, I wish the Harvey Dent stuff could have been done a little different or not at all and just later down the line. But there was so much I really liked about this episode. And I mean, to me, it's a yay just because of the interactions between Cat and Bruce there in his study. I mean, that, all the scenes that played out there, I just it was so well written, so well acted, just very good, very good stuff. I'm kind of middle of the road on, on this episode, uh, much like for what, what you guys liked and, and didn't like. But um, I just wanted to comment on Alfred. He's a great character. I'm glad that Alfred is a jerk a little bit, uh, a little ro- just kind of, he, yeah, he's a jerk. He's kind of a jerk. I like that about him. Well, he's a guy yeah. never, I, I love, I love what, well, he's a guy never had kids before. Really, that you you know you don't think he's had kids before because he has a hard time dealing with Bruce by himself, and then you yeah. add to that 
um, this guy's a trained soldier. This is what he's been doing. And now you come back and do, be a butler. You see the struggle of, of trying to do that. Um, but he loves this kid. Like he loves, he loves this silly. He's, weird I think he's kid. trying to do his duty too. He's trying to do right by the me- memory of the Wayans. You know, yep. not only does he have an, a yep. gen- genuine affinity for Bruce, he's trying to also do right by the memory of Thomas and Martha. There's a loyalty. Yeah. There's a there's a respect. Right. Um, and at the same time, he's just like I'm going crazy trying to figure out what the heck to do. And like there's times when he looks at this whole situation and he's like, Why am I here? Like I should not be the one to be here. Like it, it's just like he's, he just seems so out of his depth. Um, he ra- like I, I kind of get the feeling like he would rather be fighting twenty gunmen than deal with trying to raise a child by himself. Like he'd feel easier. It's easier for him to, to deal with life. Stuff. No, on Alfred, Alfred, I, 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 I kind of wish I could go back to our first episode of the podcast and kind of edit out my early judgment of that character because I did not like him at first, but after last week and then this week, I, I, that character has definitely grown on me and I'm liking where it's going with Alfred. We had a couple of good comments on, uh, on our uh, Facebook group. Uh, Donnie Salvo, who Daryl and I do a podcast with on a weekly basis called no- nothing's oh, on. Sure. I hate him. We quit that show. We don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm still getting checks, so I'm still showing <laughs> up. Uh, Donnie found this one. I found this one a little bland. I liked the penguin bits and the scene where Bruce started acting like a kid again. Other than that, it was okay. I know Daryl Taylor liked the last scene. <laughs> oh, uh, he knows you. You know I'm me right too well. I'm right there with you, Daryl. I'm right so there well, with you. Darryl. He knows you so well. And our friend from down south, Sean Rogers. Uh, when this series was announced, I knew what we'd be getting. That being said, I'm starting to think they would have been better off doing more of a straight adaptation of Gotham Central. Uh, that's what I said before the show premiered, actually. Um, where the series follows Jim Gordon as police commissioner with the officers and detectives that work for him, and with him as a police procedural with the existence of Batman in the background. I've lost my interest in this series. I may come back to it once I hear Fish Mooney is dead, and the young Bruce Wayne leaves Gotham. Until then, say la vie. So those comments, and if you uh, watch any of the shows that we talk about, I imagine you would be, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, uh, please feel free to leave comments in our uh, Facebook group and you know get them read like all of our uh, fine listeners that you've heard so far have. And answer the question, is she Eartha Kitt? Okay, let's move mm. on to my favorite episode of the week, I would think. The Flash with the episode number six. The Flash is born. We uh, uh-huh. we uh, we see uh, Iris uh, starting to uh, get some uh, in a little bit of trouble because she uh, of her red streak uh, blogging. Uh, we get we we get to meet Gerder. The voiceover though. Right, the voiceover was Iris this time instead of Barry. It was the first time yeah. they've done that. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah. It also turns out the. Um, their high, their uh, bully in elementary school has become Girder, uh, who can turn his um, self into uh, uh, turn his body into solid you know, organic steel, kind of like Colossus from the X Men. I would say. Um, we also get an interesting side uh, plot with uh, Joe West, kind of interrogating Doctor Wells uh, about. Don't kill my man. Don't kill him. That's my dad. Don't kill my dad. Did you catch the Smallville connection in that? What? Oh, I missed it. What? 
when he's talking when he when West is going at Wells and then he, he later he says I looked into the background he talks about how uh, what happened to Tess Mercer. Oh, I was trying to figure out why did Tess Mercer sound so familiar to me. Tess Mercer. That was Lex's brother, right? I mean sister, right? Sister, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was like, why does she sound so familiar? I thought you were talking about Wells when he referred to Gerder as a man of steel. That, 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 no, that was like, you might as well have looked at the camera when he said that, you know. It was kind of he like, did. you know, he's like, <laughs> you know, you this guy can turn into, into solid, oh, a man of steel, eh? <laughs> and he kind of smiled. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, whoa, hey. But uh, now that we get this, uh, this cool subplot with Joe West kind of interrogating Professor Wells, and then getting visited by the man in yellow and left an ultimatum on the wall with a butcher knife, you know, back on, you know, pretty much, you know, leave, it's, it, leave it alone or I'm just going to die. That pretty much informs us right there that Wells is going to be reverse flash. What does what it, does I think? Yeah, it's, for me, it's too obvious. I, I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm really thinking it's going to be flash's dad. I think flash's, dad is really the killer i think that's mm. going to be the big twist i think i i read an interesting theory online uh this week that dr wells is actually barry allen from the future uh, they but they had some really uh, interesting points i think actually the link is on the dctv podcast uh, facebook group if you want to check it out but uh, that's some really interesting points kind of how you know kind of proving that it could be Barry Allen back from you know back you know, to make sure that you know he gets his power and everything happens the way it's supposed to. So I just don't see Barry killing like Wells yeah. has though. That's my only thing on that theory is I just don't yeah. see that. But the rest of it, it kind of fits. I don't remember who wrote that. I think I'm the one that posted it. In or I'm not sure, but I remember reading it and posting it somewhere on Facebook. But um, that everything seemed to fit that theory except for that it just i can't see him killing somebody like wells has i mean it could be it could be an alternate timeline and that could be a dark berry and which they're doing in the books right now actually yeah i mean maybe maybe that is barry allen from an alternate universe and and his twistic logic is that i have to I have to make sure I become the Flash no matter what. And I was thinking, what if he's Rip Hunter, though, the time traveler? Because Rip has been known to, if somebody has to die, they have to die. I mean, he's kind of the, he kind of can make those hard choices, but he's not evil. Right, it's a a necessary action. Right, right. Like, Like, you know, 500 people have to die at this particular time, and if they don't, then a million could die you know, further down the timeline. Like, those are the kind of decisions that he has to make all the time. So if you have that, like, I'm thinking, like, what if he's there because that was when the ripple happened? The the time he came back to this place because at that exact time was when the evil Thawne came back in time and used the cosmic treadmill or whatever he did and murdered and changed the timeline and murdered you know, Barry's mother. Like, that could be the divert. I mean, I'm in, in the episode, don't, don't they say something like he showed up a month after the, the Allen murder? Yes. Okay, I just wanted to make yep. sure I got yeah. that detail right. What makes it feel so obvious is you. we all know from watching the show that he only talked to Wells about the murder of Barry's mother. Like, re, you know, going back and, and investigating this, this murder, 
and that's when you show reverse flash. I mean, it kind of makes it look like wink, wink. It's just too easy to to think that that's what it is. I'm just saying the show seems smarter than that to me. Well, you know, if we, if we're talking about time traveling, then then you know that then whoever the reverse flash is would know that that maybe this is the point where Captain Iris gets too close or starts asking too many questions. So I have to stop him right here. It could be. I, I, yeah, I, I really don't think it's Wells. Be- even if it, because even if it winds up being Joe's partner, Thawne, and, you know, maybe down the line, he beca- he comes close, he, he becomes very good friends with Joe, and Joe tells him, you know, around this time I started to investigate you know that i started to look into the to the murder of barry's you know maybe he confides in him eventually and that's why he 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 knows this information to go back and if it becomes him he knows to go back and do this i don't know it's interesting conjecture so far um that in one two three episodes we're going to get one on december 9th called the man in the yellow suit Mm -hmm. so uh hopefully we'll have a little more illumination as to who he is by then but uh Oh, we also got, we also got a, a reference to uh, Ronnie Raymond, um, right. Firestorm. Yeah, they they talked about a, a a flaming man in the episode. Right. Yeah, and stupid me for a minute. I'm like, Human Torch. What? Wait. Oh it's yeah, Firestorm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like big brain fart there. <laughs> I did. I had to say. I had to say this year. I'm I'm sorry. I'm mm-hmm. just gonna say I'm I'm just as glad as Barry that they're getting rid of the Red Streak name. Well, he he practically he gave himself his own name. He was like, right. I can't deal with that anymore. We cannot do the streak. Let's get rid of that. There is one thing though that did bother me. There, well, there's two things that bothered me for this show for the first time was that Barry showing his uh, identity to Gerda. Yeah, I wanted to mention too. That is- yes. I mean, it was a cool revenge moment. It was like, take that bully, but like, it was unnecessary. That's not fair. It kind of, th- it kind of put his life in danger. You know, if, it, if he ever gets out of there, it put everybody's life in danger yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, he, Iris is even in more danger now. Right. Like this guy knows about Joe and her. Like you, you put them both in very in danger because anything could happen. And that they can get out of this prison you put them in. Like to to give out your identity identity like that, you give him a, you give him someone to focus on now. Yes. Every time they put a villain down there too, I think it's getting like a uh, situation. And remember uh, Bendis's yeah. New Avengers number one where he broke out at once. Yeah, I mean who we got down there so far? We got we got um, the Mist, the Mist. and uh, Girder. Uh, yep. Who else? There's I think there's somebody else, isn't it? Um, is there? They didn't get. Yeah, they plastic, didn't get Captain plastic Cole. died. Right. Plastic what about died. the guy that can duplicate himself? I'm trying to remember. Did he die? Did he blow up? I think he died. I yeah. think they all blew up, or so we think. I mean, yeah. a piece of skin could come off or something, and you know, they, he can come back again. But uh, I think he did die. But and, still, uh, like, you only have a staff of of three. Like, I don't like. I don't trust. A prison when you only got three people to do the stat. Well, they they have sci- they 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 have science on their side to to keep them locked up. So I'm just thinking if uh, if the reverse flash turns out to be somebody close to, to Barry, or if it does turn out to be Wells, you know, the first thing he's going to do is let those guys out. Exactly, Co- and, and it, it cause more and chaos. Yeah. Or, or if it's like a hundred Solomon type, type stance, he'll make Barry a better hero. 
it's just too many things that could happen. Like, does Gerda need to eat? Do they have to feed him? Like, do they have well, to open the up mist. the thing? I mean, does he eat? Does he where? Where does he poop? Right. Does he make right. little like, mist, that mist was my, poops? That, that was my question too. It's like, how do they poop? How, where do they sleep? There's no room to sleep in there. How are they eating? Do they have Wi-Fi? You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, unless they have it where you know, but they didn't say that. But unless they have it where. Um, it, they could explain it off, you know, offhand, but they could have it that Gerda is completely the metal, and he doesn't eat because the real Gerda, I don't think he ingests anything anymore. If I remember the comic right, he turned completely into the metal, so he he you know he doesn't eat, doesn't sleep, doesn't breathe. Was like Bentley metal. I, right? I think I remember that. He, well, but he, right, he didn't he change back and forth anymore. He just was always metal. Right. He was stuck that way yeah. in the comic. He was stuck that way. So I mean, if they go that route where his he can make himself appear to be himself, but he really everything is just the metal underneath. Then maybe yeah, the mist thing you can kind of say maybe his body is just it doesn't burn anything. It's just the mist really for the most part, and he doesn't get hungry or whatever. I mean, it's just but it's just so but it just feels like anything could happen, and and they could get out. I was going to say, and they have nothing to do all day down there but figure out a way to break out. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> like nothing, yeah, you know? exactly. Well, from my experience, that's anybody you hold captive, anybody that's right. in prison. Well, exactly. You know, I'm just saying <laughs> they that. sit there and have 24 hours to think of the most creative things you could you could possibly not even imagine. And it's, and it's exponentially <laughs> so because the one guy can become an intangible mist and one guy can turn into right. steel, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's like a powder keg they're sitting on pretty much. Here's some food for thought. Um, that you said in three three episodes, we're getting one called the Man in Yellow. Is that what it was? Man in the Yellow, Jim? right? So, does it have a synopsis or anything? Nope. It just says that the. Um, well, here I'll I'll read what they have. The Flash finally faces the man who killed his mother. Oh, okay. Well, that that's because I was going to say, what if the Man in Yellow is Booster Gold, but. That's obviously Reverse Flash. So. Or it could be Firestorm. I mean, the red and yellow. Well, we got the pictures too from the. Uh, they had like a bunch of pictures they took of the like kind of of the fight of him and yeah. and, the, and the confrontation from that episode. They posted like a while ago, so we finally get to kind of see uh, the episode. But um, the- sorry, I'm just I'm just really psyched for what comes before that, which would be the crossover. Yes, which they said oh, we're yeah. gonna get a. Oh, yeah. They said that when the episode returns, we're gonna get a little, uh, a little scene of that. They said of that episode. It's funny because the um, I'm sorry, the the episode, the the Arrow episode that airs next week, is called the Brave and the Bold, and then it ties into mm-hmm. the Flash episode that uh, airs December second, called Flash versus Arrow. Yeah. So they're gonna. <laughs> I mean. Obviously. So we are still getting some DC TV next week. We're getting Arrow. Are we getting a new Gotham? I don't know about that. I don't know about and that either. Tomorrow, are we getting a new? We're getting a new Constantine, though. I think, right? Yeah, there is a new Constantine. Tomorrow. Yeah. In fact, oh, yeah. I forgot to mention they're reshowing Constantine on Sci-Fi sporadically as well. I uh, know tonight. Tonight is yeah. Tonight as we record this, they showed all four episodes. I just posted it in the. Uh... I posted it in the group, so at least people, hopefully, people could see that and and check it out if they haven't watched it yet. And the only I want to throw in the one other thing that kind of bothered me though is that uh, everything that Barry told you 
about it being dangerous for you to do this blog, to use your name, came to fruition. Like, the guy did come to your house <laughs> and uh, kill some cops and kidnap you because of what you did this blog. And yet she takes no... Like, she doesn't... She doesn't even acknowledge that. Like, she takes no responsibility for that. That kind of Daryl, 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 listen. Daryl, listen, listen. You should know by now, women are not going to listen. They're just not. Oh, man. What what is it every week with you? You have to have... And now that was Chub Toad's male chauvinist moment of the the week. (laughs) None of you were married to my ex-wife. You would understand. Weren't married to mine. She wasn't better in my head, anyway. Um, but anyway, I'm just saying. Like, it, it just. I just wish that there was a little bit of acknowledgement. Like, hey, this is what I've been trying to tell you. Like, this is what me and your father have been trying to tell you about how dangerous it is. If you're gonna do this, do it more in a safe way. Like, don't yeah. you know? Don't use your name. Don't put like you know. You could have did it in a better way. Do use a surname. Use a you don't, you know, like a lot of people do that. They don't use their their real name. Well, know, wasn't post- she at first? Wasn't she using a pseudonym at first? Yeah, and then, and then last week yeah. she changed it. Yeah, yeah. So she really needs to go. I was I was hoping that she would, you know, acknowledge it and be like, "I'm going to do it, but not as me. I'll use another name, and it could be a nice little callback to something in the books or something like that, and, and do it that way. At least that shows concern for herself and her family. At least, what yeah. if? Reverse Flash is actually Thrawn from the future, and he's do he came back and told Joe that you know stop meddling, as in he's talking about Iris. Say that again. Uh huh. You um you I was with you in the beginning, but then last part with Iris. Thrawn, Thrawn could right. be the Reverse Flash, and when he came and when Reverse Flash showed up and told Joe to butt out, basically. Maybe he's referring to Iris and going down that hole, pushing Iris to not be in danger and not be in the forefront because maybe that's important to him down the road. Well, you know what makes me not think that that's the case? Mm. Because he took all the evidence that he was and notes that he had about the murder. That, and, but it makes me think. But I still think in my head, I, I keep I'm leaning more towards it being Thrawn, his partner, than it does Wells because of how obvious it would be if it, it wound up being Wells. Like, I, re- I, I kind of really think that it's Thrawn, and he's just remembering, like, Joe over the ye- being a partner with Joe over the years, he's just, there's certain things of information that he knows now, you know, being his partner. Or it's possible they were partners together in an alternate timeline, which led, and, and something happened involving uh, Mrs. Allen or something with the Allen family. And so in the future, he goes back and kills her and ends up imprisoning the fa- uh, Barry's father um, to force a different timeline where they still become partners. But now he has more control over whatever it is in the future that caused that. Going back That's and thinking good. about it, when you have Thrawn, when he's talking to Barry and he's teaching Barry how to fight. Basically, Barry is a grown man. He's teaching him how to fight. That kind of makes me go, maybe it is the the reverse Flash that wants him to be stronger. Because remember, he's talking about his life where he was fat. He His father was a politician that closed down the plant in the area that they were at. So he had to 
he basically was telling Barry he had to, he grew up in a situation where he had to get stronger. Like coming out of that adversity made him become the cop that he is right now. And yeah, and thinking I, it about makes it me, now, I'm, I'm starting to think that my bet is more on him being the reverse flash professor zoom or whatever than well. And even with the thing, when he, when he's pushing Barry to like, he doesn't even know it yet, but when he's pushing Barry to, to box, and then Barry realizes when he does that fast hit, how hard he can hit. Like that was from Thrawn. Like that was kind of the encouragement from Thrawn. So I'm like, it makes me think even more that this guy winds up being the Reverse Flash. He wants to help the Flash, or yeah, but, that was his deal. That that yeah. basically that was his deal. Like he came up in a his life. He 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 was he worked with the police. He he respected Wally, really, you know. But the thing was, he felt that, um, like horrible things happened. Like he lost his wife. He lost his kids. They were killed. He got maimed in an act in, in in one of the cases that he was on with the Flash. Now just uh, just so you're talking about the Hunter Zolomon character, right? I just right, wanted to make right, sure right, these right. listeners aren't confused. Because you're also um, Eobard Thawne, the original Reverse Flash in the Silver Age and Pre-Crisis came from the future, like for right. the future, I think 40th century or whatever. But go ahead. Right, right. I think uh, you know I really like that take of the character though that you're talking about the Hunter Zolomon character, where you know he's he's not evil in the in, in the traditional sense. He's more mm-hmm. just trying to put adversity in the Flash's way to make him a better hero. Right, because he kind of idolized him, and he idolized him really. Actually, he. he you know, he, he was a fan of the Flash, and then when he eventually, what happened to him to become it, his, in his warped brain, he was thinking, uh, Wally has not, like Barry, Wally never had that tragedy like Barry had, you know, with the trial and all that kind of stuff that happened to Barry. He never had that, and he needs that, because I want him to be the strongest Flash ever. Like, I want him to be tough and strong right. and, and smarter you know, like I don't want him to be carefree and, and weak because things can happen and tragedies can happen and, and he needs to be on on point all the time. So this makes me really think that, that you know, like we kind of get that even though it all pushes to Wells being the evil guy, I it makes me now really think that it's it's the cop, it's Thrawn who's gonna wind yeah. up being first yeah, black. You know, I mean if. Well, I mean, what if, to start this out there, what if, you know, uh, there's an alternate timeline where Iris ends up dying because of something yes. that Barry does, and then mm-hmm. Thrawn ends up going he wasn't back there for revenge mm-hmm. yeah, to, to kill his mother for revenge, and now it's all twisted Well, not, not for revenge. To kill his mother to put the tragedy in his life to cause him to want to be, to cause him to work harder to be Flash. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, to cause um, him... Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Maybe he's too comfortable being, like, when when it happens in the alternate thing, he's too comfortable with being the Flash, and he doesn't save, he doesn't learn enough about his powers that he should have known if he had, could have did this with his powers that he would have been able to save her, and he couldn't. And, and maybe yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, the, the thing is that if, if it is if it is Thawne, how does he get from just being a street cop 
to becoming a time traveler. Right. That's going to be the interesting part. How does he get make those that leap? It could be that uh, villains get out and and you know, eventually, like all the tech that the the lab has, they they eventually get tech that makes it that they can travel into the future from using the treadmill or whatever. And another, they rebuild that thing or whatever. Something happens and. Um, there's a, you know, there's a, uh, whatever happens with the, the lab, he gets to the lab eventually and sees all the papers and, the, and how they can put this thing together and, and he does it and it, and it causes him to, to change into the new one or the tragedy, or maybe another thing gets built and it blows up and he gets the speed abilities, but it also causes him to be able to go through time. <laughs> it also depends on how how we're going to get the speed force what how, how it's going to be portrayed in this television show cuz did any of you read um the new 52 flash when Francis Manipole was doing that there in the beginning yeah mm-hmm. when when they were going when he was there was so many they were all different people just lost and they were going through in the right. speed force and they found this that pilot and everything else from yeah, the they World all got pulled all in different times yeah yeah, yeah. So could, I mean, it just kind of depends too. on where they go. Yeah. Yeah. Or we could happen. all be completely way off base and wrong, and it turns out Frank is the Reverse Flash. Who knows? <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it is Frank. Hmm. Hey, what about that punch before we go? Before we move on? That, that oh, punch. that was great! Incredible. Two oh words: God. Sonic Boom. Sonic Boom. Oh. I mean, I oh, I was so excited to hear those words. The best part was that they were tracking him, and the Team Flash were tracking him. And, uh, why is he running away? He's running mm-hmm. five point three miles away. Right. <laughs> and then they were all like, "Ooh!" Especially Cisco. He's just very, uh, very psyched to see it happen. But yeah, that punch and the the whole like digital slow mo, uh, like slow pan around him as he kind of was like flying. Behind his fist. Oh, I, I just, I, all I said was I rewound that part three times because it was so mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chuck. Yeah. I was just saying, does he have an odometer in that suit that he knew exactly when he was 5.3 miles away? I asked that too, but he is an Uber nerd too. That's true. That's true. Which is a call. I love when he said that though. He said, all right, I get it. We're all, we're all three of us are Uber nerds. I get that. But we have to solve the problem. Like I love, I love the banter between the the three of them. How they get caught up in their head when they get in their head. Sometimes it is just so fun to see that with this show. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I really, I really love the tone of the show. The the action, the the writing. It's just it hits on all cylinders. It really does. Oh my god! And Joe, Joe is just really get me. Go, Joe got me so bad. When he is teaching Barry how to fight and Barry got beat up by his sister, just Joe hugging him and just reassuring him that, you know what, like there's other ways to to deal with this. But just that, just all those moments when he thinks about it, he smiles. Like just the, the look on his face when he calls back memories of, of his childhood, it just gets to me. Like if anything happens to Joe, I'm done. We riot. I'm rioting. It's I'm like if they killed Daryl on The Walking Dead. If they killed Joe, we riot. I'm I'm telling you because I'm already going to be in tears if it's like when the when the Reverse Flash is running around Joe. I don't know about you, but I stopped breathing. 
until it stopped because I just kept saying in my head, "Oh, look, please do not kill Joe." And it, you know what? And it makes me think. I have it a is. feeling that sometime down the road that's going to happen, though. I keep feeling it is too, and I just don't want it to. Like I just don't want that to happen. But it also makes me think maybe it is Thrawn because he didn't kill Joe. He could have just killed him. That would have ended the investigation right there. He could have just killed him. Instead of letting him, instead of taking all that stuff, because what you did was, what the guy did was, he basically told Joe, hello, there is another speedster that that did it. Like, it's me. He basically told him it was him. Well, it kind of confirms his theory that there really was a man in yellow. There really was a man lightning. That he wasn't just a, a little kid making something up to protect his father. That, you know, he just... You just totally confirmed everything Joe was, you know, was trying to figure out. But Joe has to right, sit on right. it and can't do anything about it. So, well, yeah, I mean, he threatened his daughter, but I, I don't think that's going to stop Joe from from trying to figure out what's going on. Well, his interest is peaked. I mean, he, you know, he needs to know now just as much as Barry because he knows because it's dangerous. This, this is this is dangerous. It's got to make mm-hmm. Joe suspicious, even more suspicious of Wells. Now. Oh, it's got to. It's, it's the timing is like not coincidental yeah like what that would be dumb for wells to do this like mm-hmm. if it was him well thumbs up for me on this episode i loved it man i've loved thumbs every episode you. so far thumbs is up yeah. I, I, I don't have any no thumbs down for this show yet yeah None. thumbs up we got a bunch of great comments on the facebook group by sean richardson uh chiming in uh, excellent episode. The series keeps getting better, and I'm glad they're moving away from the name The Streak. Me too. It makes me think of that old song yes. by Ray Stevens about the naked guy running around. Yeah. <laughs> um, Patrick Tony, uh, the shipper part of me loved how concerned Caitlin was for Barry. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad the Flash name is out and was tired of The Streak. Uh, the question is who is Reverse Flash, Wells or Eddie? I assume we will get the answer this season. The show keeps getting better each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mikey Wood, uh, comic book artist from Pittsburgh here. Uh, Wells is far too obvious for Reverse Flash. Worst name ever. I hope they don't go that route. I have a theory. Reverse Flash is Eddie Thawne's son from the future. Perhaps somehow Barry does something to ruin Eddie and Iris' relationship or Eddie's career, etc. Causing Eddie to spiral into addiction or alcoholism or maybe he blames the Flash for Eddie's death. I don't know. You know what? It could be right. Either way, it could be right. And he yeah. could, and he could also be in the show, and we just don't know it yet. He could be another character who's older who came back and is watching all this stuff going on, and we we might even have seen him already. You know, yeah, it might be worth it. Might be worth to go back and rewatch the episodes just to see if there's something there. Like, is somebody that gave him a look, or or you know. Like and or just said something, something strange, or yeah, said something strange to him, or something. The other theory Mikey has is that when traveling back in time to commit the murder, in order to make sure Barry has the impetus to become the Flash. So that kind of ties into what we were saying about the Hunter Zolomon Zoom character trying to you know create the hero by putting him through adversity. Uh, Donnie Salvo again. Uh, this show keeps getting better week to week. It's very respectful of the source material while still being its own thing. That's not an easy task, but everyone involved with the show seems to pull it off week after week. The show is just plain awesome. 
Yes. Uh, definitely agree, Donnie. And Johnny M. from the uh, It's All Connected podcast, the HHWLOD podcast network, and, and so many other great podcasts over there. Uh, it's just a blast. Even the eye-rolling relationship stuff totally works in this context. <laughs> um, Cisco makes me uh, laugh out loud at least twice a show. Mm-hmm. He represents the geek fans as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> he does. Uh, They've also nailed the Freak of the Week concept while still giving us small nuggets to the bigger story. The FX guys should get Emmys. This show is a home run. I cannot agree more with all those statements. Yeah, because even as cheesy as... Like, this is the cheesiest I've ever seen special effects for this show so far was the metal guy, and they, they didn't use it a lot. Right. It was just the one time where he, he turned all metal for a second. Like, it was a split second. We got one more episode to cover. Uh, this week's episode of Arrow, uh, which was called Draw Back Your Bow. A line from the song Cupid, by the way, by the Smoke Robinson and the Temptations. In case, in case you guys didn't know or were born after 1995 or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, uh, in this episode, we uh, Oliver has to stop an Arrow-obsessed serial killer, Carrie Cutter, former... Um, um, SWAT police officer who uh, Arrow uh, saved at one point is now obsessed with him. She uh, kills people and leaves them dressed up as Arrow to get his attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and psycho- she looks damn good doing it. She's a psycho <laughs> girlfriend from hell with a, with a full quiver of arrows. And yeah, she doesn't look too bad. Um, too bad. Uh, she didn't look bad at all. Also, Amy Gumanek is her name. And she was, man, her acting was... Playing the psycho girl, man, she did such a good job. I loved her. She did it too well. Yeah, she well, did I, do it too I have, well. I have a comment to that, but I've already had my quota of male chauvinistic comments this episode. Yeah, you so did. Yeah, you did. You're cut off, sir. You're cut off. Yeah. Uh, we also get the subplot with uh, Felicity and Ray Palmer, mm-hmm. uh, where Ray is kind of moving in where Oliver stepped away. Uh, Oliver has to give this great big soliloquy to Cupid character um, about why he has to be alone, and that kind of was like you know hint hint to Felicity to uh, <laughs> you know maybe uh, end up in the raw, the uh, the arms of hunky Ray Palmer. You know, we get this scene well, of him I, working out in his office with no shirt She didn't on. need <laughs> his go ahead though. I don't think okay. that uh, to me that. W- him brooding in his little cave about, you know, he doesn't like her with Ray Palmer and that whole deal. He had his chance. And to me, that little soliloquy to the to her was just pointless. I just thought it kind of cemented it a little more, you know, and, and kind of like, you know, put it in her mind because... You know, obviously, you know the the scene at the end where where um he you know he's walking in on them kissing or whatever right. just seemed very soap opera CW. Yeah, you knew that was coming. Yeah. Oh, th- this this episode did have the the love CW love triangle thing. I didn't mind though. It didn't. It was fine. I mean, you know, we we all love Felicity and and. I think that there was even more CW <laughs> than that though. Was the part with Thea and the DJ. That was oh, that part, part kind of drove me nuts a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I didn't like, need uh, that. I didn't need it's cheesy part. enough. We didn't need the extra thing with the DJ thing. Like that was just. I not... don't audition. No, we didn't need that. Like the thing that um, it was funny because the thing that was cool, the thing that was fine before it got to the cheesy mode was when she said, "Oh, I'm uh, gonna go out with my boss." It's platonic and all, but uh, should I go? 
<laughs> and he, you know, that's the hint, hint. And he's like, I don't care. And that's the, I'm angry that you even want to go out with somebody else, even though I told you I want to go out with you. Plus, he just lost his company to the guy. Right. But that's fine. Like, no, just, he's the, just Felicity. The, yeah, just the way he said it, it just, the, like, they could have left it at that, and I would have been fine. Like, they were just funny alone with that, and then you could have him be mad about it, but, you know, like Dego should have said, just man up. Either date her or not. Stop crying. Yeah. He, he, has, he has had his opportunities, and <laughs> he has a valid excuse. Dego was like, Dr. Yeah. Phil in this episode, he just was like, yeah. Diggle, relationship therapist. Yeah. Now, Felicity, right. this is what's really going on with Oliver. It, it's, uh, either, it, it's either man up and date the hottest chick in the entire DC <laughs> universe or be the biggest idiot in the world and don't date the hottest chick in the DC universe who just happens to be an uber nerd and awesome at the same time and extremely cool and good. You're an idiot, Oliver. But that, uh, but that uh, whole nightclub storyline, that was... So pointless. Ugh. Yes, I'm sure it's headed somewhere, but that, there was a lot of eye rolling on my side. It made me feel like season one stuff. And then, like the when end. he when he kissed her at the end, yeah, that was just how she was like, going to punch him or knock him to the ground or something. Like you said, it's like we don't we don't have we don't have annoying uh, Cassidy there, but you want to, but you go back to being the annoying Thea. I had eye-rolling moments and all of that as well, but mine came more from I know several DJs, and <laughs> that is just exactly how full of themselves they are. So <laughs> that's how they act. No, that, that, that part was fine. It's just that I don't know what this had to do add to the show at all. Like there yeah, was exactly. Just, oh, yeah, that DJ is, is someone else. That DJ is... is uh, it's- He's working with with, uh, Rajay Gould or something, you know, that's, it it was just the introduction was clunky, I thought, and just too over the top. That or he might be a a plant from her father. It had to be, because it's either a plant from her father or uh, or Rajay Gould, because it just, it just shot out where I'm the guy you, that's coming to you in your time of need. That can do just what you want me to, you know, like right. you need me to do something in particular. I come out of nowhere that can do that one particular thing that you need just at the right time. It was just too, it's just too convenient. And you would think that what I would have loved to have happened instead was when Thea played out that whole thing of her getting ready to kiss him and then she jabs him in the throat and she says, All right, who are you working for? That would have been pretty awesome. That would have made me go, that's the Thea. That's the new Thea. And then we would have gotten the whole thing of, is it Roz or is it a father? And then the whole thing would have progressed from there. Mm -hmm. That's what it, that would have did it for me. Yeah. I thought, like I said, when he leaned in and kissed her, I thought she was going to like knock him to the ground. Because it's uh, like, they forgot what you, you just did a whole episode of her, you know, like you, you of showing us what you did with her. Um, and how she changed, and it's like you just forgot all that, and you went back to business as usual. I do have to say that the Hong Kong flashbacks in this episode were a lot... They, it, it it had me more into the story than it has in the past couple episodes. Um, I'm kind of liking 
I mean, that whole thing concern over whether her husband's dead or not and whatnot and shows a little bit of that bonding there going on between her and him right. as far as, you know, she didn't like him at all. Because, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, up until this episode, I was I, I don't think bored is the right word, but I just wasn't overly impressed with the flashbacks this season so much. But this this episode, uh, it kind of tied it together and it was really well done. I'm with you on that too. It just the, the the sense of jeopardy is just not as it just doesn't have the same sense of jeopardy that it did when they were on the island. Like, and it wasn't cool things of oh shoot, Deathstroke and oh and like it just that's how he learned to do that. And it's you know like it didn't it just doesn't have that type of thing that weight to it. And and so. it really does seem that that. Uh, I know they've already established it a few times, but but Ollie surely has has some chance to to let the outside world know he's still alive. I know they put up all these faux barriers in front of them, but there's still being in Hong Kong like that. There's just too much opportunity for him not to get away or not exactly. to let the outside world. He's not. Yeah. Without some sense of this is exactly why you don't want to contact your house. Like, you don't want to contact anybody that you know. This is the reason. Like, kind of set it up beforehand or something. Like, I, like even if they had set it up where he goes, um, because I wasn't trained enough, these people died. I lost, you know, I lost people and I cared about and I wasn't, you know, and I wasn't ready. And he just says, you know what? I want you to train me to be the deadliest fighter I could be. Yeah, I mean, even that that's a great angle. That would have been awesome, yeah. Like, something like that would kind of give it that sense of weight. And then he's like, all right. And then and in between, I'll do these little missions for... Um, for, the, for the Suicide Squad. I'll do little things here and there with them as I'm training. And, and part of his training is when they go on these little missions, certain things that they've done, he has to use certain skills and he uses it kind of it, it, it's a and then they could actually use some of the villains that we kind of know throw some of those villains and sprinkle it in there a little bit mm. you know i think it, it'd make it a little bit more exciting when we when we see the flashback like it was for the island but right now the flashbacks is just you know he's in hong kong he's just it's just like they're trying to show him relationships matter like you you should want to you know like having connections with other people are important and you know it's like he gets the lesson of the day and that's kind of not you know i don't watch yeah maybe if there was some like overall type of mission for him just like on the island you know they yeah i don't know it's just um it's just meandering that it's like i liked but it's the, the urgency isn't there we just need a little bit of urgency like I, I'm not not like an arrow, but I I am feeling. Part of me is feeling like arrow is is not as important for me to watch right away as it as it was last season and the last two seasons where I like when arrow came on, I made sure I watched it right away. Now I I kind of save it for last. I'll watch you know, like I'll watch Flash. I'll watch other stuff before I watch Arrow. I think, that well, the, I think that I think that Flash has overshadowed it. I really think Flash's success has really 
knocked Arrow down a notch a little bit, and hopefully I, this Brave and the Bold stuff and the crossover well, will bring my, it back. I don't know. I, I mean, don't I'm not saying it. It's less important to me. No, 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 it's not just, even that. I'm, I am super speed. excited for Flash and Arrow. It's kind of like, you know, I'm rushing home to watch it because usually we're recording on Wednesday night. And we record right after that, so I'm rushing home to watch it really quick. And I, I don't know. It just, you know, it, it, I still love the show. It just doesn't hold the same excitement for me that Flash does. And yeah. and maybe I'm just not the only one that feels that way. Well, I, I mean, for others, but I mean, not even and it, it's not even if Flash wasn't even on, I could still feel myself feeling the same way that I don't feel like this season as, is as urgent. It doesn't have that sense of urgency to me that the other yeah. two seasons had, even though they still had the cheesiness, but it always felt like it was moving. Like every episode felt like it was moving somewhere, it was going somewhere. I, I Like I felt what Oliver was going through. I, you know, like I was rooting for the team to like, it just like Diggle feels like he's just in limbo. Like he's there, but he's not there. And, and Oliver seems like he's going back and forth with, is he going to be that good? Like, what are you doing, Oliver? Like you, like, are you angry? Or are you not angry? Like, you, you, in one minute you're laughing with the team, the next minute you're you're sulking again in the same episode. Like, it just and then with Roy, it's like you had Roy going down a path where he was beginning, bec- he's becoming a better person and not being emo, and now he's going back to being emo again. Well, so Roy's not doing anything. Roy, they just right, have him there. It just feels like like you you had that bond with those two of them. Like Oliver and him was kind of developing that bond, but it feels like now that it's just it's just standing still. Like yeah, I, I feel that they're wasting Roy now, and they're wasting Arsenal. It, it feels yes. like they're waiting they've, for. It's uh, almost like they've relegated him to a set piece, almost. You know, just this lit, and he just pops up and seen here and there. Whereas, you know, I I think what you're saying there, Daryl, is that we've as fans been expecting that to blossom into a dynamic duo of its own that we get behind, and I just can't get behind the two of them right now well, because they're they just so blossom. different. Usually, they do blossom because when you look at how Sarah when she came in how that relationship with the team kind of blossomed into something. And I love watching her with the group. Like, I don't feel that, like, it feels like they're waiting for the second half of the season to start. Yeah, maybe. Exactly. Uh, this might yeah. all be table setting for the rest of the season after. That's the what it feels like. Episode. That's exactly what it is. It, it Like, all the pieces are there. Like, they could do something really great. And I love, I still love all these characters, but it just feels like, they're holding pattern until they get to a certain point. And then I know, like, I, I have faith that stuff is going to happen. Like, <laughs> when, you know, like, a whole bunch of stuff is going to happen with the city. You have, like, we did get a little bit more with, with uh, Roy, uh, with with the Ray. With, I mean, with um, with um, with Adam. We, we get a little bit more with that. Like yeah, who else was super excited when he pulled up his plans for his Iron Man armor? I mean, his Atom armor. Well, I have a theory about that. I don't instead of like them having him actually shrink to that size, uh-huh. that's going to turn out to be like our arm, like the way Tony Stark like remotely controls Iron Man armor. 
Like Jim, he'll I have this like exact same thing. Like the yeah, because it says an exosuit or whatever. I'm thinking like it, it'll be like a VR thing where he'll be moving and doing all the actions, but it'll be a tiny like little you know robot version of him doing the stuff. I didn't um, think of that, but I like that. I like that. I think it makes That's more sense than him actually shrinking down with white dwarf matter or whatever, like they had in the comics. They could tie in the danger of the suit. Like he has to make a mental connection with the suit. So if the suit dies, he dies. So, you know, that could be the, uh, the connection between it. So there's that, that, that fear of danger. Well, didn't he bring up the whole mining of the white? I don't, it wasn't white dwarf matter though. He said, what did he say? You know, after he acquired the mineral rights from that guy, Let's let me know when we start drilling for and he said something and it was it meteor right I couldn't remember or something so mm. I don't yeah know. I get the sense it'll be some accident or something something's gonna happen to, to, to he'll rediscover it and he'll figure out how to do it but with the budget of the show being what it is I don't I don't even know if they're gonna. You know, it might be what Jim said more than it would be him getting in the suit and shrinking down and and doing his thing. I just it would be yeah. a cool way. To, I just thought it would be a cool way to implement those powers without them having to, you know, use the the comic book origin. Right. Yeah, and and they they've said time and time again that there's not going to be any metahumans on Arrow. So again, Except, that would be a way. Because yeah. you said to have the hero aspect in a different way. mm Hmm. And he can still do all the things that the Adam does. It would just be a little Android version of him. Yeah. Just from the yeah. comfort of his home. Right, exactly. It's an I Adam. So uh yay or nay on Arrow this week? Uh yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, I'm still enjoying it. I'm still enjoying it. I'm not cheering, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm I'm like, cool yeah. at it. Yeah, it's it was an episode. Yeah, it was it, it was watchable. I did enjoy it, but I mean, you know, I give it a yeah, but not with as much enthusiasm as I give Flash a yeah. But then I have to think about Felicity in that blue couture dress, and then hey, it's hey, a definite hey. yeah. <laughs> you cut off with the creepy motion. You did too many. Hot, I was going to say the Felicity Fabcast is a different podcast. <laughs> How do I find mm-hmm. that? Okay, don't you host it? <laughs> Aren't you the host of the Felicity Fabcast? It's just you for a half hour. Uh, on half iTunes. hour? Well, you know, it's the best of. It's excerpts. Edit it down. Yeah, yeah, just the, just the good parts. Um, we had some good uh, comments on the Facebook group about Arrow. Uh, Sean Rogers, once again, just one word. Psycho. Yep, she sure was. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's some speaking of psycho. psychos, yeah, and we've all had the psycho girlfriend thing happen to us. I'm sure I know I have anyway. Yes. Um, some some pervert named Chub Toad Sheldon Uh-oh. wrote in and said, "I want her to be my mistress." You know what? It's not bad enough you're on the show already. You have your own fap cast, and now mm-hmm. you have to go go and invade our Facebook group too. Uh, I want her to be my mistress when I'm not with Felicity. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a fan fiction I'm not going to be reading anytime soon. No, uh, Carlos Carmona, it was cool, but then the end with Ray Palmer working on his Adam project was great. Also on the Gardner couple, do you think the Gardner couple was a reference to Gardner Fox 
or be they're the parents to Guy Gardner. It mm. could be either. Gardner Fox definitely, I mean, was... He's the one who came with um, I mean, so much of the DCU. Um, mm. It could be a nod to either of those, actually. Um, Donnie Salvo, once again. I love how this season is coming together. CW is treating the DC properties with respect. Cupid is one of my favorite Green Arrow villains, and the actress they got to play her was great. And I want to touch her high knee. What? <laughs> I'm telling. I'm going to have to talk to him about this. Yeah, that's a little out of hand, I think. <laughs> See what I did there? Hey, out of he, hand. Did, he did use the word tiny. tiny that makes sure. it worse. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Could have just said butt or ass or I'm something? I'm Heiny, on her hinder. He has a child, for God's sake. He can't say butt anymore? What nope. happened? Nope. No, that way it's cutesy, so it doesn't come off creepy. No, it's, it's even too, more it creepy. creepy. Yeah. It's like Pat Oswald had a whole bit about that, how, you know, I'm going to fill your jingle cave with my goose. <laughs> you know, I just, what I just said has, like, you know, is not pornographic in any way, but it's totally disgusting and wrong. Yes. So. Yes. And then finally, Patrick Tony, uh, they better bring Cupid back because unlike the Huntress, this woman can look good and act. Uh, what is Diggle doing telling Felicity not to go on her date because it will hurt Oliver's feelings? Oliver had his chance and he blew it. If you ever get a girl that hot wanting a piece, you take it. Uh, Felicity in that blue dress is runner-up only to the black dress she wore in the Flash episode. Here, oh here. my gosh, that dress in the flash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess they're on the fab cash. Just think about that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, if you want to check out Aaron, a newer review of the Harvey Dent episode of Gotham and every episode of Gotham, uh, there are links to those in our Facebook group, uh, theyoungfolks.com. He writes an in depth review of every episode of Gotham, usually out the day after it comes out. I will say that the crossover villain for the episode Flash vs. Arrow is going to be Chroma, a.k.a. Rainbow Raider, as portrayed by Paul Anthony, who's an actor who's in Tomorrowland, the um, Brad Bird's movie with George Clooney coming soon. Um, and he will be the villain in the crossover episode. Interesting choice. I don't know if that's who I would have rolled with. I, I thought I saw... Um... Boomerang. So didn't we see Boomerang? Boomerang was at the end of this episode of Arrow. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sure he will be making a, another appearance. Oh yeah, you know he will. Also, if you want to see Constantine and continue to see it, it's still slipping in the ratings. Everybody, so get on board. <laughs> start I'll watching. get on board. I'm going to start watching. Even if you don't watch it, just just DVR it. <laughs> they aren't. I, I, I not, do. I do DVR it, okay. so I, I have been recorded, so I'm at least doing that much. Um, it's not been; it hasn't really been enough. It's lost a lot of its lead-in from Graham. It's one of those. In fact, uh, Entertainment Weekly had a list of shows that were on the bubble this week, and Constantine was on that list. Um, one more, one more bit of news before we go. We talked last week about the Suicide Squad movie by David. Uh, it is to begin filming early next year. They've already scheduled filming. They have studio time. It's actually going to be made. I was going to say, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't sure if I wanted to bring this up or not, but what do you think about Jared Leto as the Joker? I'm, I'm interested that they would have the Joker as a major player in a Suicide Squad movie because he's not generally been like a part of that team in the past too often that I can think of. 
but uh, I could see him pulling it off. I don't know. I like I like Jared Leto as an actor. I just I can't see him as Joker. I don't know. But then again, I couldn't see Heath Ledger either. So who that's knows? what I was yeah. gonna say. I couldn't see Heath Ledger before uh, before his performance either. I I was like, what the guy from A Knight's Tale? Are you kidding me? You know. But uh, there you go. So um, we also uh, Margot Robbie has been uh, as we said last week. It's been uh, rumored as uh, being cast as Harley Quinn. Uh, they've talked to John Bernthal um, for in the movie. Uh, he just worked with Air on Fury, but I'm just so I can't tell you guys how pleased I am that this movie is actually going forward and happening. Like even if, and you know, I doubt this will happen, but even if Batman v Superman totally tanks and makes no money at the theater, we will still get it's a honest to god Suicide Squad movie. So I cannot be more pleased. Ditto. Yeah, I mean it'll be. There you go. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll talk to you again next week on the DCTV Podcast. If you would like, as, as I said, uh, you know, we have Facebook group, DCTV Podcast on the Facebook. Please leave us iTunes reviews. Uh, if you get us on the iTunes, we'd really appreciate some iTunes reviews, some exposure for a new podcast. Uh, if you would like to hear more of the dulcet tones of Mr. Daryl Taylor, you may do so at the Taylor Network of Podcasts, uh, of which he is uh, not only the tycoon general manager, but also a client of several of those podcasts, including um, Nothing's On, as I mentioned before with him and I and Donnie Salvo. Uh, no apologies. Yeah, I said it. Uh, the the Comic Rack Fest. Um, the, uh, oh, God, Art and Scones? No, no, that's not what it's called. The Art and Craft. Art, right. Art and Crap. <laughs> um, all kinds of podcasts there. TaylorNetworkPodcast.com. Uh, if you would like to hear more of Rich and myself and Frank on our podcast network, that is at hhwlod.com. If you like the DC TV shows, you probably dig the Marvel stuff as well. We have a podcast that covers not only Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but how it is connected into the Marvel movie universe and all of those Marvel movies that are on the way. Uh, it's called It's All Connected, oddly enough, and you can catch it at the hhwlod.com network. You can also check out uh, other podcasts on the Walking Dead TV show, uh, Ichapod Cranecast for the uh, Sleepy Hollow uh, show. We have podcasts on movies every week from out now with Aaron and Abe, who are on What's Hot uh, uh, page of iTunes this week. So congratulations to those guys. And uh, we, you know, just a lot of great geeky content there. HHWLOD.com. You can check out Frank on the Half Hour Wasted show, the progenitor, the godfather of that entire uh, beast of a network that we are part of. So until next week, guys, thank you for joining me, and uh, let's go watch some more TV. We are guests. Sounds good. Good night.